Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hi. We are glad to be back on Ayers on the Road. We've been on the road between Salt Lake City and Provo this week. <laughs> These are short roads lately. <laughs> they are. What a, what a time we've had, though, Linda. You know, we've been babysitting. Do we call it babysitting? We've been caregivers. Yes, because there was a <laughs> we've baby. Been, we've been firemen for one of our sons and his and his beautiful wife, and there's six children. Under 12. Under 12. These two, this couple went on a trip to Thailand, and so we got... We got the privilege of being the uh, caregivers, and and it made us made us kind of refreshed our appreciation for how uh, complex and exhausting it can be to be parents oh, full man. time. I promised myself I was not going to forget how hard it was to have a bunch of little kids because we've been there, but I did. I just keep forgetting, and boy, it is so. There's such adorable kids, but just so needy. And then everybody's got their little personality quirks, you know, whether it's a high pitched well, scream or. Well, I think they or, were missing their parents a little bit. And uh, so yeah, but, it all added up. But they're they're brilliant and fun. They've just moved um, to from California to Utah, and uh, it's a little bit of an adjustment. Although it's a wonderful school and neighborhood and everything, but. Um, honestly, it, it was hilarious. We just stopped and laughed at each other once in a while, like, how did we do this? this but you know, now that, but now that we're recovering, what a, what a great thing it is for grandparents to have a chance to spend time with grandkids without the parents around, because that's where you really learn what's yeah, going boy, on. Yeah, boy, you sure do. It's, it's just amazing. And I know so many of you listeners have experiences where if you're a grandparent, you've you had a chance to be with your grandkids uh, exclusively for a few days. And you parents, of course, appreciate that when, when grandparents do it. And it got us thinking about a lot of things, well, including well, the subject for today's show. But before we go on, I have to say that we also learned how brilliant this these kids are in this generation. They're so amazing and so mature in so many ways. And Linda got all our computer problems worked out. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> And they showed her some new apps on her phone. You know, I had the, they have this one little daughter that's nine years old and then the two little, little girls. And so I, we were doing the laundry and I was having her help me sort out who belonged to what and what's going on, you know, and, and finally I said, Oh, the laundry. And, um, <laughs> and Lila looked back at me and said, yep, the laundry just never ends. And <laughs> she- you got yeah. that figured out at nine years old, right? <laughs> they were so adorable. And then we have a little genius, um, an 11 year old who's writing his own book. And, oh, you know, it, it is just so fun. We, no, we don't really want to get Linda started time. off bragging about the grandkids. Well, no, but we don't want to think show. it was all just really hard because it was mostly fun. Yeah, that's right. And it did, it, you know, the, the Christmas season's beginning and it got us thinking about today's show and about the whole question of how to make. Christmas as meaningful as possible for families and for children and for ourselves. And, you know, I mean, some people are bothered by how, you know, here we are in early November and we're already having Black Fridays and we're already the. the no, we're having pre Black well, Friday. Whatever. Pre I mean, Black Friday. Yeah, they, they say about the time November starts, it all begins. And, and you hear a lot of people groaning and moaning about how it starts too early and it's too commercial and uh, it goes on and on and so on and so forth and it's a time of such hassle 
But I think the bottom line for all of us is we're always glad to see the Christmas season come, even when it starts early. It, it does bother me, and I think you join me on this, Linda, that we kind of, the, the casualty in the early Christmas rush is, is Thanksgiving. And it's our favorite holiday. It's my favorite holiday. Is it I, yours? I, I love, mean, it's, love, love it's this wonderful holiday that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I, in fact, you know what? I went over to a craft store the other day to get something for a lunch I was having in my house. And, and I said, you know, where's the Thanksgiving section? Yeah. And this thing is just, I mean, of course, Halloween was just finished. So there's lots of sales on Halloween stuff. But honestly, it was just crammed with all the stuff. And they said, oh, well, there's a little wall right over there by the front door. And honestly, it was just there's one a pilgrim wall over there giant or something. store. And it really does get lost. Well, you know, you see what 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 we witnessed this year in a couple of stores is they're pulling down the Halloween stuff and putting up the Christmas stuff. Boom, boom. Right. And, and where's Thanksgiving? But but again, taking it in a more positive vein, uh, it is quite interesting for families how the sequence of the year-end holidays falls. I mean, you could say you've got you got this ghoulish thing called Halloween, which I, I guess I'll just be personalized and say it's kind of my least favorite holiday. But the kids wouldn't agree. No, I mean, they, they get out of themselves. It. They dress up. It's like a time of imagination. But you go from that, ideally into this wonderful, thankful holiday of, of Thanksgiving. And some of you listeners know that one of our favorite books we've ever written is a book called The Thankful Heart, which is basically saying that, you know, Thanksgiving is not just a harbinger of joy. Thanksgiving is joy in its most obtainable form. There, there's a direct correlation between being thankful, being consciously, deliberately, visibly thankful, and and feeling joy, and and what a wonderful harbinger that is for the Christmas season. I mean, if we can do it in our families, if we can focus enough attention on Thanksgiving, and on being grateful, and on on turning Thanksgiving into a verb instead of a noun, Thanksgiving then it prepares us in, in ways we can't even comprehend for a beautiful Christmas season where we begin with gratitude for Christ and for the atonement if, if we are believing people and, and approach Christmas in this sense of gratitude, which is sort of the, the panacea or the answer to getting past the commercialism you know if it just if gratitude is the permeating thought as we go into the christmas season how much more beautiful it can be well we particularly love thanksgiving uh, and we'll, we'll be talking a little bit more about this next week or before thanksgiving yeah right. but um it really is one of the really precious times. I mean, it's not only that fall on the air and the food is great and everything, but it really is a time when we can concentrate on the things that we're really grateful for. Although we should do that every day, but this is just a reminder. Well, that's the thing, this, this thankful heart book that we really, I think we enjoyed writing that book more than almost any book we've done. And, and the whole idea of it is to try to say, how do you keep that spirit of Thanksgiving going all the way through the year? And, you know, we talk about starting a gratitude journal and we talk about, you know, sharing in families 
What What were you grateful for today? What happened today? And, and well, and especially to have something every month to be grateful about. Right. I mean, that we have suggestions that you can do your own, but there are certain things that you could be aware of every month that you're specifically grateful for. And really, the book is better because there's some great photo photography and some great quotes that we didn't do right, but our, um our kids were the photographers for it but well uh, in some cases but it really um it's really fun to have a thanksgiving in fact i was thinking the other day linda that if 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 you if you had a wish if you had a magic wand and you could sort of wave it over your children and and give them two things it wouldn't be a bad choice i mean this sounds this sounds so simple but you know, we all want our kids to be polite, right? We want them to say please and thank you. But when you break it down, please and thank you are, they're not just words. They're not just politeness. They're they are the very bedrock principles we want to teach our kids because please essentially means I'm not entitled to something. I'm asking for it in a polite way. I mean, it sort of implies the opposite of entitlement, please. And then, of course, thank you implies real gratitude. And and kids who really learn those two principles and who say thank you, I, I was saying to a group of parents the other day, a group of dads, actually, you ought to be teaching your children to say thank you to their mother all the time. They ought to, and they ought to say it specifically. They ought to say thank you for for this house being so beautiful when I come home. Thank you for the food that we eat every day. Thank you so much for, you know, the clothes we wear and, and, and thank you that we, we have a car. Thank you. I mean, kids that sort of get a mentality of gratitude, they're not entitled kids. Yeah, it's really true. And, uh, even though the kids are seem kind of screechy and so on, we know how many parents are out there really trying to drill that. And we, we've just been with a three-year-old who is oh, pretty yeah. demanding at times and <laughs> like, nope, that's not the right way to say it. How do you say it? And then she comes up with the sweetest, please may I have whatever it is that you want. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, so congratulations to you. I, we know you're working on that. So thinking about the holidays and as we enter them, and I don't know if you even are a person who likes the word holidays, that's, that's become kind of a catch all. And I don't really like to say it now that I think about it, Linda, because I'd rather say Happy Thanksgiving and I'd rather say Merry Christmas and I'd rather focus all the meaning we can on these these wonderful holidays. But what we're going to try to do today in the show is to to suggest some ways that we can move away from the commercialism and away from the, the hassle part. And really, the title of the show is How Can You Make Your Christmas Shopping Meaningful and Efficient? Because, boy, that can be, you know, Christmas shopping can take two months. And it can. And for some people who and, and they're actually, you know, people who really care about the gifts they give, it can almost consume you for a couple of months. How do I find it? How do I get the perfect gift? How do I? find it in a way that makes sense and, and deliver it. And I mean, it can be and wrap it and all that. It just, it becomes totally overwhelming. I mean, I guess it's a good thing to be just thinking about how can I be a good gift giver, but it can consume people. It can. And it does me, especially with, you know, 29 grandchildren to try and um, maneuver when they only 
well, one, well, now two families live close enough to us to deliver, but most of it has to go online. So um, it really is a tricky time of year. Although I do have to say there are a lot of mothers out there that have their Christmas shopping done. Believe it or not. No, not yes. now. Not, a, yes. not an early They've November. been thinking about it all year and they have it done by, by Black Friday. They get there. They wrap it up. <laughs> Wow, I'd so, like to meet some of those people. I know you don't realize that because you're married to me, but um, it really is amazing how it takes over our lives. Now, we're going to, in the second half of the show, we're going to talk a little about just sort of our feelings about some of these things. I, you know, I mean, I guess this wouldn't surprise you coming from authors, but we happen to believe books are in many ways the best Christmas gift you can give. It's easy. Kind of across the board. I mean, we like to give books to children as well because there are so many great books for Christmas, and maybe we'll touch on some of our favorite ones, but especially for adults. And, and let us strike a blow here for real books. I mean, again, I know I read on a Kindle most of the time. You read on a Kindle, but a real book, Linda, what a gift. I mean, for one thing, they're easier to wrap up than a football. Right? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> they're rectangular. <laughs> you can wrap them really easily. No kidding. Um, well, they're just something that keeps on giving, you know, as long as the readers. <laughs> if you give a book to somebody who never reads them, that's not very I mean, thoughtful. you've read statistics on how many books go unread, gift books that just sit there forever. But... But if you're gonna if you're gonna focus real thought on what someone needs, one way to do it is say what book would actually work for that person. I mean, that's you know we tend to give away our favorite books, and that's good. But but thinking about what a book could do for a certain person and finding it and giving it that's a pretty great thing. It is, and in the second half though, I'm going to talk about. Um, ordering things online for children and the mistakes you can oh, make yeah. and um but also the time you can save wow i mean i i bemoan the fact that some stores are closing because everyone's shopping online but oh my goodness what a difference that makes in christmas shopping well yeah in fact i just saw on tv the other day and maybe some of you listeners saw this too that uh, people are really doing all they can to get people in the stores. I mean, people who have, you know, merchandise in stores, they're they're doing all kinds of parties in the stores, food and everything to yeah. get them to the stores and so that they're not just sitting at their computer all the time. So there's, there's always a, a balance. So hang on for a minute. We'll be right back with the second half of Ayers on the Road dealing with making your Christmas shopping more meaningful and more efficient. We'll be right back. we're back we're talking about gift giving today uh, among other things and the holidays and so on and so on and let's start off by a gift that we want to give to you we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the show but we have now after so many evolutions in our writing and publishing we've we've downsized that's a good way to say it isn't it we've gone from yeah. penguin and mcgraw hill and random house that published our books for so many years to a much smaller publisher located in California. And one reason we, we did it is because this publisher is working with us on our, what we call our special groups. We have certain people that we think are special groups to us. One of which is 
listeners to BYU Radio who listen to our show. And so this wonderful little publisher has arranged a thing where those who are one of our groups can get our latest books for 50% off online and can get free shipping. And so this isn't a commercial, but we just want to give you the gift of when you go to the BYU Radio site, byuradio.org, and you go to our show, there's a little list of links. And one of those links, as of this week, just gives an access code. And when you click on that, the access code, by the way, is BYU Radio Friend. And when you click on that, it'll take you to a site where you can get our latest books for half price and get free shipping. So well, there's one way to simplify your Christmas shopping. Right. Including the thankful heart, if you want to buy Thanksgiving. But we don't want this to sound like an advertisement. We're getting back to just regular gift giving. I learned so much last year. Uh, I mentioned that we have a lot of grandchildren and I just have a certain amount. I mean, the older grandkids just want money. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, but is that a good thing, money. Linda? I mean, yes. is that, I don't know yes, if that's it is a good for teenagers. gift. I know because you Isn't like that to kind give, of a cop out. You like though? to you give just... gifts that you think they would like, and you cannot figure that out. I mean, I I think it's just a waste of money if you try and figure out what a teenager wants for for Christmas. I think you need to. You could talk to the mother, or you could even ask them. But I just I don't believe. But in don't just, you think generally giving cash or giving money, especially as a grandparent, is is I mean, what if the parents are trying to teach their kids to earn money or save money? Honey, or, this is Christmas. Come on. Uh, you know, we're, we don't want to dump it on them one time a year for a little birthday present. And then and maybe many of you love spoiling your grandchildren with a ton of money. We do not. But we really do. Th I, I think it's important to just know what what people want. You're just saying the ones that are teenagers, maybe they know better what they want than you do. And it is true maybe, that when you yeah. when you send them a, a money gift, you seem to imply that you'd like to hear back from them what they bought with it. We'd like yeah, to know what I you do got always add that. And sometimes and, I get and it. That's and kind sometimes of cute. I don't. But let me just tell you what I learned last Christmas. I, uh, our kids are distant, as we've said so many times, usually our grandchildren live far away. And I was in California once with the same little family and I thought, oh man, I can just figure out exactly what they want. Cause I can ask them what they, what they really, their heart desires. So, um, I went down there and I said that to a seven year old, um, you know, this is, this is a limit on money. What do you want? He knew exactly what he was dying for. And we went in and we got on Amazon and we found exactly what he wanted. And I said, okay, then, you know, this is coming from us. It's going to act like you're surprised, but this is going to, and he was so excited. Then I, I went and we told the mom um, about this and she was so kind and so sweet, but she does not like her children to have electronic stuff. Was and this was an electronic thing. Have, sure. And she did not want them to have. I mean, she was very kind. This is an educational game electronically. But then she sat down with us at my invitation and we figured out what the other kids might want, which she loves the kids being outside and away from the, you know, all the gadgets and so on. So we ordered a scooter. We ordered a pogo, pogo stick, stick. We ordered a <laughs> rollerblades. Like back in time. Roller it was like the 50s. And, 
And actually the kids love that. They love that. But I, I felt like, wow, that was a lesson to me. I think it's really important to talk to the mother about what if you're, kids yeah, if you're a grandparent, remember have. that. We have another set of grandparents who uh, love electronics and and provided a Wii game, uh, which I think the mother just died over because she was not excited to have her kids have that. So you really have to... You have to. Well, and, and if you're a parent, again, the real struggle is thinking, thinking, how can I make Christmas more Christ centered and, and less commercial and so on? And, and you can go. I mean, there's pretty extreme solutions to that. We've, we've told on this show before one Christmas when we were so fed up with, you know, and it started early and I want this and I want that. And here's my list and on and on and on. And. And we did it with this is a dramatic thing, which I don't think most parents would do, at least not every year. But we said, hey, we got to make this about service. We presented the kids with a really interesting and stark contrast. Do you want to have another normal Christmas or would you like to go to Bolivia and spend a week and a half working to help some people who don't have any water? Would you like to? go there and we'll dig trenches and we'll bring water to this village and it'll be an exciting adventure and uh, we won't have any Christmas gifts for ourselves. We'll give, we'll be the gift. We'll go there and do And by the way, we had figured out beforehand that we could do that whole trip uh, with this humanitarian group called Choice Humanitarian that we really like and that we ended up being on their board. But we could do the whole thing for less than what we normally spend on Christmas. Yeah. Because it, it's just basically the airfare to get there, and then you're, you're helping, you're, you're living with villagers. It certainly so. was less than taking them to Disneyland for a week. I mean, it really is pretty amazing. And, but if Bolivia sounds too far away and kind of expensive, you can go to Mexico. And we have a daughter who lives in um, Arizona. And it's literally an hour and a half drive over the border to Mexico. And they've been working with a most wonderful group called Families Helping Families. If you just go, if you put that on Google, you can find out um, how to do this. But literally, they loaded their car up with dinner for this little village. I mean, there were maybe 50 family, I don't know, 50 people. So maybe, I don't know how many families, a lot of families were involved in this. And they build houses. It's like Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. They build low income housing. So, so there's that really, I mean, there's that dramatic way of saying, Hey, our whole gift is going to be a gift rather than receiving gifts. But, but you can move in that direction, even if you're not being quite that dramatic about it. And, and, you know, Finding a way, I mean, getting kids to think first about giving and then about getting secondarily, that's a huge challenge for parents, but, but it is possible. We know families who visit the homeless shelter and, and serve people. We know families who try to give gifts to orphans. We know families who focus their attention on, on who needs what and how each child can give. We know families, and we did this for a number of years, where Christmas Eve is devoted only to the kids and the gifts they're giving to you. There's no, no to gifts, each other. Well, to each other and to the parents. Yeah. And so that Christmas Eve becomes a total focus on, wow, what a good giver you were. How did you think of this gift? That's so wonderful that you 
found this for your brother. And a lot of times they're little things from the dollar store or something that they made. But but by praising the giving and, and getting the attention off of the getting, at least for a little, at least for Christmas Eve, and then you feel like, okay, Christmas morning, Santa comes and it's all about getting. But, but you know, that that's probably the first principle in trying to make Christmas meaningful is do everything you can as a parent to help your, yourself and your kids think first about the giving and then about the getting. Yeah, we had kids earning money um, all, all through, I mean, from, th- from Halloween on, thinking about earning money to buy a gift for their sibling. And I think that, and for us too, I mean, then they went to the dollar store and we filled our house up with junk. But... It really was so wonderful to see kids thinking more about what they were going to give for Christmas than what they were going to get. Absolutely. So, again, meaningful. The only way to get to meaningful on Christmas gifts is a lot of thought and a lot of sort of empathy about what people need and and what would help them most. Well, you just had a great idea. Um, you, you've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about six little kids under 12, but you, you were thinking about what we could give our adult. Oh, children. don't tell, don't tell. I guess they'll be listening. Yeah, you can't tell. I'm sure they all just listen we, every week. Well, but they anyway. might. They have it on their, they have ours on the road on their podcasts. And when they really long for hearing their parents' <laughs> voices, they just listen to their podcast. But anyway, okay, we'll tell you after Christmas and then you can plan if you think it's a good idea idea you can do it next time but um it really is important to think what do these people need that not necessarily can be uh solved with money sometimes money is really helpful but uh, and sometimes it's other things and then again as far as the meaningful part and the efficiency part think about think about think you know just focus a little bit of attention on books for christmas sometimes books can be a fantastic gift and uh, again, our gift to you is on BYU.org. Just click on the access code and, and get any of our latest books for free. And maybe for children, I think, Linda, you know, if any of you parents have not yet read the books by C.S. Lewis on the Chronicles of Narnia, I remember one Christmas especially that we got the whole set. There's seven books in that set. And you can get them very inexpensively as a little paperback set. And that was a gift that lasted the whole year because we read the, you know, starting with the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and then reading all those gifts, all those books to our children. That lasted the whole year. And I thought it was a fantastic entree to Christmas because, of course, what it is, basically the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan the lion is 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 a symbol or a, essentially a Christ figure, and uh, kids really get to understand through the symbols of those stories more about Jesus and more about His atoning sacrifice and more about all the things that we want our children to be focused on during Christmas, but in a very imaginative way. Yeah, they're just absolutely marvelous, astonishing. Oh, C.S. Lewis is amazing. But it's it's interesting how that's played out with our family, because when we called the other day to uh, one of our families, uh, the mom was saying, okay, 
I can talk for just a minute, but we're right at the end of the voyage of the Dawn Treader, and Lucy is One dying. Books, we yeah. have got to, um, we can got to go because it is just the most exciting part of the book. So it's kind of passed down. It really is worth taking a look at. There's, I mean, age. What do you, what would you say? Eight. Yeah. Eight. And yeah. Older. Eight yeah. and older. So we're wrapping up. But I, I, our challenge to you is, as this holiday season begins. Instead of seeing it as a hassle, instead of worrying about, oh, how am I going to get it all done? And it's going to be crowded. It's going to be commercial. Start by a little quiet time, just with yourself, just maybe some evening or some early morning when you're alone. And figure out, think hard about how to make your gift giving meaningful and how to do it efficiently. And we promise you, if you put a little thought in on that, you'll come up with some great ideas tailor made for your own family. So good luck with that, and we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.